five, four, three, two, one. I'm John Miglosh for the Wisconsin DMA and the International Society for Strategic Marketing. Oh, the camera seems to be working really well. I penciled in uh, the 22nd of July out in La Crosse. There's a print conference. I'll have more information on that as time goes on. But I think it's the first get-together. It's mainly screen printing, which isn't my main thing. But I thought, mm, you know, if you want to meet in La Crosse, uh, it's about the same distance from Milwaukee as it is from Minneapolis and Chicago, so it might be a nice place to go. And uh, there's a there's a rock concert afterwards, <laughs> I think, in the city. I don't know if it has anything to do with the uh, Print Expo, but I'm going to be heading over there. Uh, at least it's penciled in on the 22nd of July. Hope to see you there. Um, let's get over to the news. I really like this. Uh, I really like this story. Schick launched the Intuition Razor back in 20 in 2003, and my understanding is it's a razor that dispenses shaving cream as you shave, so it must put it down just ahead of the razor or something. I'm not sure it would soften anything up. It would it would obviously lubricate the the process, but it wouldn't. Um, you know, I I was taught that. Uh, you want to let it sit on there for a while to soften the, the whiskers. Um, and what's interesting about this is that <clears throat> Schick had no idea what was going on. Schick had no idea who was using it, which is typical of a big brand, I think. And um, what happened was the, ex the Edgewell execs came across a video of Molly Burke. I believe this is probably Molly Burke. It says Molly Burke in the lower right. A model who is blind, shaving her legs for the first time with a chic intuition. Don't know how that they came across that. Don't know why Molly built it. But anyway, um, she did a video and many visually impaired women, she'd been using leg wax, but it's very costly apparently. Uh, thick shaving cream can mute the feeling of hair, making it harder for women to sense how close their shave is. Uh, Edgewell must be the chic executive. What a name. What a great name. Edgewell for a razor company, apparently. Okay. No, doesn't say who Edgewell is here that I can find. Maybe it's the name of the people that make it. Oh, it's costly, said Brud Fogarty. Schick Intuition's brand manager. So anyway, um, so Schick is kind of apologizing for not making their commercials and their and their um, and their outreach to uh, visually impaired women more more obvious, <laughs> more uh, user friendly. But you know, eventually they got it. And this is reminiscent of stories like the Pine Saw uh, breakthrough or the. Um, of the Arm & Hammer baking powder in the refrigerator uh, breakthrough, or, you know, a lot of, um, you know, with Pet Edge, we, we, we had a breakthrough because of machine learning, uh, which is in my book. Oh, which reminds me, stay with me here, WDMA, we have a pop-up, and you can get a free sample of my book. All you have to do is just go to WDMA.org, and the little pop-up comes up, that the style consultant did. I think all you have to do is put in your email. I don't know. Don't have to do much, and um, and you'll get a uh, you'll get a sample of the of the first few chapters, which maybe are the best. 
I talked to a book publisher once, and he said it's a very, very prominent book publisher, one of the top guys in the in the country, if not the world, uh, Mike Hyatt. And he said, yeah, you know, sometimes we want the book to fill out the signatures, you know, to fill out the press or to have a certain thickness. So he said, don't be surprised if you're two-thirds through the book and it seems to be losing some of its punch. Anyway, this is the first four chapters, and um, and so I think you'll enjoy it over there on on, uh, but it doesn't have the part about Pet Edge and how we changed the name of the company and we grew it dramatically uh, in just a couple of years by finding an unseen market. So there are a lot of unseen markets, uh, even among the blind, uh, as Schick found out. And there's, I'm not trying to be facetious here. Um, but they said that, that also women who uh, later in pregnancy have trouble I think they have more to worry about than shaving their legs, but if that's what they want to do. Um, and it may also be more effective for women with arthritis. Now, what's interesting, too, is is that my dad, when I was learning to shave, he told me that his his uncle, Uncle John, who I was named after, John Robert, uh, his Uncle John was blind. And that Uncle John shaved in the shower. And he said, you know, you're not blind, but... You can learn to do it. He said, I've, I've always shaved in the shower, and it's the easiest place to do it. Uh, less muss and fuss, and so I always have. And you just do it without looking. And I know there's, there's special shower mirrors and stuff, but, you know, if once you learn to do it, you can do it. You do it by feel. Uh, so I identified with this. Okay, here's a, an interesting article. Um, denim is back and very popular, but the loose styles... Are coming back. In fact, it says the Gen Zs are making fun of millennials for wearing skinny jeans. I don't think skinny jeans look that great, but they sure are hard to put on. I tried on a pair and it was like, I would never wear these. I can barely get get up in the morning. I don't need something to make my life more miserable. Uh, but what you've learned, once you get to my age, you learn that style is a, a sort of a cyclical thing. And if you wait long enough, all those old clothes, if you can still wear them, will come back into some sort of style. And so my painter pants, which I have several pair, are right on the button, it looks like, with the Gen Zs. Woo! I have a belt I got back in junior high, and it's real leather, and so it's still supple today. And uh, about now, that was about 15 years ago. It's wide with big rivets on it. And I saw one in Target or somewhere, and I said, "Oh, my belt is back. I can wear that again." And I, I wear it a lot. Uh, my kids say it's now out of fashion a second or third time. Um, but anyway, people put on some pounds during the pandemic, and so these are the top-selling jeans right now, and they're up like 20%. Okay, here's a controversial article, and I'd really like to hear from you guys on LinkedIn. Uh, this is Andrew Bolton, and Andrew apparently makes fun of the people that hang out on LinkedIn, which I am guilty. And, uh, and he said that, you know, one of his posts was about how you should never give your best work to bad clients and that's a good question and I, so i've been thinking about that and i encourage you to go over to wdma.org and subscribe and then you can access the show notes every day in this next article 
on the Facebook antitrust is very, very interesting, but not going to cover it in its entirety. So anyway, Andrew says, you know, copywriters are pulling ideas right out of the sky, right? And I have to admit, so are good data people. I mean, you may not believe that, but the idea, let's go back to the, let's go back to the pet edge story a little bit. So pet edge let us do a model. They sold to dog groomers. And if you ever saw the movie, the John Candy movie, best of show, you know, you'd know that some people are very, very, very serious about their dog grooming. And so not surprisingly, um, the, the best market in the fall, right before the holidays, was upscale areas, high income, high population density, high, uh, high per capita income, high education. I mean, high, 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 right? And so we kind of thought that that must be right, and we went with it. And we made a lot of money for, for, uh, for the company. I'm trying to remember what it was called before Pet Edge. It wasn't called that. Um, anyway, I, I can't remember. We actually led to that change of name um, by this next part of the story. So they said, okay, you made us, you know, six figures in just one model. Bottom line, return on investment. It was, I don't know, five-fold or something, 500% return on investment. Anyway, so then we did one in the spring. And in the spring, the best sales areas, the best neighborhoods were low-income, low-education, Low population density, low dwelling value, all that. Low, 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 low. And this is a business-to-business -business company. And I thought, well, that doesn't make any sense. That doesn't make any sense. And so before I called the client, I, I had the computer guys check the computer. And I said, you know, maybe there's something broken because I've never seen anything flip like this. And they couldn't find anything. And so I called my friend Johnny out in the country, and I said, Johnny, do you ever get your dog groomed? So he had a couple of dogs, hunting dogs, you know. And he said, no. And he said, what do you mean, groomed? I said, well, you know, a doggy haircut. Oh, yeah, sure. Well, that was odd, right off the bat. I said, well, why do you do it? He said, well, the weather's getting warmer, dog's full of burrs, the dog seems to like it. I said, uh, do you care how the dog looks at the end? No. I said, where do you get it done? Oh, the vet, the boarding kennel, the pet store has some, you know, somebody has a special usually every year. Well, it turned out that we had found a market and their sales per month was about the same all the way around the year. So it wasn't obvious that there was a completely different buying group. But we had found a market that was probably 20 times bigger than the, the professional dog groomers, the, the, the stylists, the hair stylists for dogs. And so we changed the company. And it was a company, it was, I think it was called New England Serum before that, or something like that. Anyway, it didn't have any connection to dog grooming that I could remember. And, uh, but it had evolved different things over the years. So, uh, so we flew out and told them the story and they said that makes some sense and I said you might want to have packages you know for you know just a couple of gallons of shampoo and some inexpensive clippers and what we did was we built 
special variables to identify the stylists. So they had like $300, one pair of scissors, $300 kind of stuff. Really, really top of the line for the real professional. Um, and we and we categorized those items to identify the real professional because we didn't really want to sell them the, the, you know, the cheap, crummy stuff. But but we knew that there were people that were just zipping the dog and really didn't care. And homeowners, it turned out, also were interested uh, uh, in just have buying a package and getting started on their own uh, just to clip the dog. And so uh, that grew the company 20%. It had been kind of slowly declining. And then it grew 20% more uh, the next year and 20% more the next year. And that really changes the valuation. And they ended up selling the company. Um but the point is, is that creativity, when people listen, creativity can be a powerful force. Now, on the other hand, I remember telling Erwin uh, Helford, the founder of Viking Office Products, that his main competition wasn't other office supply catalogs or office supply stores, really. I said, you know, the average small business thinks that they're buying their office supplies from the local store because the local store comes around and gives them a big catalog of office supplies and they place the order. What they don't realize is that stuff's all coming from some big warehouse in New Jersey. I said, you should think about like show a picture of, of, of a main street and put this, the companies that you're doing business with in that area. And, you know, you could inkjet it and, on the cover and show people that, you know, others in your town are working with us. We're, we're just as much a local business as that warehouse in New Jersey. And uh, he did it, 100%. Then Viking, I think, grew like double, expanded into, into the UK. Um, and he ran that cover for a long time. Did I ever get paid? No, not a cent. Um, and so I understand what Andrew's saying here is that Good ideas, even if executed, are kind of rip you off. But even worse are the good ideas that I gave to people and they didn't execute. And they didn't even try them. And uh, those, what a waste. you know. And what I found, I told somebody the other day that I had 17 companies that doubled or more up to tenfold their, their sales while they worked with, with our company. And in some cases, their valuation went up way more than that. Um, and so, you know, you I think Andrew's onto something that you want to work with companies that value what you have to say. And I have a couple of companies right now that I'm working with that are really, really having a lot of fun, and we're doing some great work. Partly because I value their opinions and they value my, they value mine. And you know, if you're a consultant or a copywriter, or even a creative database guy, you might want to find a client that appreciates your work. I'm siding with Andrew here on this one. And if you disagree, share it in the comments. We're really looking for comments. Have a great day. Like and share. Your friends will know you're smart. Bye-bye.